What's going on, everyone? Welcome into the PFN Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Kyle Yates, and I'm your host. I can be found on Twitter at KyleYNFL. I am joined here today on this beautiful Friday morning by Kyle Soppy. He can be found on Twitter at Kyle Soppy PFN. Kyle, how are you today, my friend? I'm doing good. Fun start. We had 60-plus points in the Thursday Nighter. What's not to like? We got points. Hopefully, week two is going to be a lot more fun than week one. Week one, a lot of unders hit, a lot of disappointing offenses, especially from where we thought they'd be high octane guys in buffalo cincinnati kansas city things like that so hopefully week two is just fantasy points palooza and we're all happy all right so here's the thing we've talked about this before i have two kids five and under so i am exhausted all the time so we got to last night halftime i was like soppy you good covering what we need to cover like i'm gonna tune in i'm gonna turn in for the night and i'll watch the game when i wake up this morning at 6 a.m So uh, I did that and I woke up this morning very early, saw the alerts that came through was like Jordan Addison touchdown, Devontae Smith touchdown (laughs) was like, what happened? What in the world happened? I watched the grossest first half of football that I've ever seen. And then the second half just absolutely exploded. We will get to that game. Let's get into it here because there is plenty to talk about. The Philadelphia Eagles backfield, man. What in the world do we need to do now? Fantasy Managers is absolutely spent up to get Kenneth Gainwell, the number one pickup on the week in most waiver wire rankings, dropped significant fab to get him. And now he does not play in week two and only to see DeAndre Swift, 28 carries, 175 yards, a touchdown and adding three receptions for six yards on top of it. What do we do with this backfield moving forward? I think you almost have to bend the knee and admit that we don't know what's going on. Like this is, you know what this is going to be, Kyle? And I hate to say this because I don't like it. This is going to be the 49ers receivers. Like that's just what this is destined oh. to be. Gainwell's going to be healthy. I mean, they're, they don't, they've got a long week as it is because you play on Thursday night. They don't play until Monday night next week against a good Bucks run defense. So the odds of us loving any of these guys, if none of them are featured, are kind of low, but you do want to be tethered to this Eagles offense. And we've said that from day one, that if you can get exposure, especially of the cheap variety, to an offense like this, it's gold. But even last night, Swift was amazing. They couldn't stop him. Over 60% of his carries gained four yards or more. And yet it was still Jalen Hurts getting the two rushing touchdowns. Like, they're still capping the upside just by way of Hurts alone. And that's in a game in which he had... 28 rush attempts, and the team ran 48 times because the Vikings couldn't stop it. Not every week's going to look like that, and not every week's going to feature a guy like that because you're looking at Gainwell was out. Scott had the concussion. I mean, even Rashad Penny comes in and gets three carries. Like, to me, this is the aberration. I guess if you could sell high, I would be shocked if somebody's willing to buy high on Swift, but I would. It's interesting here with this backfield. So I wrote this up here this morning, which you can find over at pfnfantasy.com. I talked about should you trade Kenneth Gainwell after DeAndre Swift's performance? What should you do with this backfield? So you can find that over at pfnfantasy.com. You can also see it on my Twitter at KyleYNFL. I'll tweet that out here after the show. And it's just a, a situation where we don't know. We don't know what is going to happen here with this backfield because it was truly Kenneth Gainwell in week one, DeAndre Swift Mm -hmm. not involved whatsoever. But here's the thing. I think that even if we do see a committee approach, there is more than enough rushing volume for both of these guys to be fantasy relevant. You're not going to get 28 carries out of DeAndre Swift next week, right? Not going to happen if Kenneth Gainwell is active. However, if if DeAndre Swift sees 15 carries, Kenneth Gainwell sees 12 and DeAndre Swift adds on a few, car- uh, you know, targets here or there. That's still a top 24 performance because of the talent level of DeAndre Swift. So I think it's a situation where 
you kind of just got to hold. I think that you have to expect that it's going to be some sort of committee approach. It's not going to be now Kenneth Gainwell sees three carries next week. Agreed. And DeAndre Swift sees 24. But even if both of them are involved, there's more than enough work for these guys to both be fantasy relevant. Let's talk about the wide receivers here. Devontae Smith, four receptions, 131 yards, gets the touchdown there as well. A.J. Brown, four receptions, 29 yards. Are we panicking on A.J. Brown just yet? No, because, I mean, the squeaky wheel narrative is going to play into effect a little bit here. He was heated on the sidelines and wanted no part of Jalen Hurts. They are blowing out the Vikings, and my man is throwing a hissy fit on the sideline like he hadn't seen a target in a game that they were losing by 15. They were up huge most of the game. Kirk Cousins gets there in garbage time, but I'm not worried. If you can buy low, I would. I think this is still a 1A, 1B situation with Brown ideally being the 1A, just given the size profile and everything that comes with that, still saw more targets of Devontae Smith. He had a touchdown called back because of holding. And another one that could have been DPI in the end zone. So he's not far away. And we're talking about a game that saw them run more than twice as often as they threw. I don't think that's going to be the script really for any offense in 2023. It's just not the way the NFL is geared these days. So I'm fine with considering Brown what you thought of him coming in. He's a top 10 guy for me still. All right. Last one here on the Eagles here is Dallas Goddard. Six receptions, 22 yards. Really has <laughs> not done a whole lot here so far this year. Are we panicking on Dallas Goddard? I'm not. I'm not yet. I mean, they they made it a point. They came out targeting him early and off, and they, wanted to, they clearly wanted to get him involved. I mean, seven targets resulting in 22 yards is a little underwhelming, but the catch rate was high. The target rate was high. Again, they threw 23 passes and ran 48 times. I think he got scripted out of this one a little bit, but he still led the team in catches, which is good to see after a slow week one. All right, let's go over to the Vi uh, the Vikings side of things here. Kirk Cousins, man, just, I mean, th 364 passing yards and four touchdowns. We were all fading him going into the week because of the tough matchup. Certainly pays off there. Justin Jefferson is Justin Jefferson. Jordan Addison has really had an impressive start to the year here. I think that he is someone that you can start rolling into your lineups here as a top 36 play, maybe even top 30 here moving forward. The one player that I did want to talk about here on the Vikings is Alexander Madison. Madison here not living up to expectations here and the hopes that a lot of fantasy managers, myself included, had for him. However, Tampa Bay run defense in week one, Philadelphia mm -hmm. Eagles run defense in week two, where they just completely were like, this is stupid to try to run the ball. We are not going to even to attempt to do this with our makeshift offensive line going up against Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, Fletcher Cox, and the edge rushers there. So Alexander Madison, is he actually someone because people are going to be panicking? Is he actually someone that fantasy managers should buy? He has the Los Angeles Chargers in week three. Oh, yeah. And you just said the big part of it. If you're going to buy, now's the time. Like, you, he's not going to get cheaper than this. You would think he does well against the Chargers next week. He's still getting the featured role. He's still tied to an offense that we expect to score plenty. They were playing from behind this game. He had eight carries. The Vikings only had nine. So, I mean, he was right. featured there. He's running the ball. Again, the tough matchups, it is what it is. None of us thought Madison was a great talent. We didn't think he was Dalvin Cook 2.0 or anything like that. He's the lead back. And by that, he gets... He gets value. I mean, look at guys like Miles Sanders and James Conner. We're putting them out there every single week, and we hate their offense. We just buy the role. To me, Madison is, you know, a rich man's version of that because we actually think this offense can put 25 points on the board most weeks. So, yeah, I, I like the idea of buying in on Madison now. 
Yeah, it's definitely, it would be a different conversation if we saw Ty Chandler get five carries and Madison got seven or something like that. But this was not even close as far as the carry workload. Really, really tough defenses here that he's faced. I think that better days are ahead. So I would personally be going out there and trying to acquire Alexander Madison for cheap. And I know that you're going to be able to get him super cheap because fantasy managers are already panicking and asking whether or not they should be cutting him. Let's get into player props of the week here presented by Superdraft. The NFL is back and Superdraft has an exclusive free play to win up to 100 times your entry for PFN listeners. Imagine this. Patrick Mahomes' current line is 0.5 passing yards. If he completes just one pass for one yard, you are a winner. But wait, there is more. Sign up now and score an instant $20 deposit bonus on deposits of $20 or more when you use the promo code PFN. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to smash a winning player prop entry. Claim your free play and bonus today. Let's get into a few of these really, really interesting entries here for week two. Chris Godwin, are you taking over or under 55 and a half receiving yards going up against the Chicago Bears. Yeah, your Chicago Bears. I'm going to go over here on the 55 and a half yards. I mean, we saw the Bears get lit up last week against my Packers. And I, you know, I don't hesitate to say that. That was awesome. They won by 18. It was great. Great times for all were had. But I mean, you're talking about a Packers offense that completed 15 passes. And they had three guys flirt with this total. Chris Godwin's better than all of them. I think Chris Godwin goes over this number. He and Mike Evans saw basically half the targets last week for the Bucs. I see no reason for that not to continue over 55 and a half. I'll say closer to 70 than 50. Uh, Desmond Ritter, <laughs> 189. No do I just need to even do it? It's just under no matter what I say here. Uh, 189 and a half passing yards. I think if you gave me 189 feet, I might take the under. There's just no <laughs> way I'm putting my hard earned dollars anywhere near this Falcons pass attack. I, I just can't do it. Could he, I mean, 189 and a half yards is such a low number in 2023. Like he could get there. He's got the playmakers, but we've been saying that for what? 18 months now. I pass. I'm going, I'm no, you can't make me spend my money on the Falcons under on Desmond Ritter. Uh, well, let's keep it going here. Drake London, 49 and a half receiving yards. I'll give you one guess. <laughs> <laughs> under. I'm going under. I, I, until proven otherwise, these guys could go over. They could smash it. 50 yards is not a lot of yards. We see running backs get that on a reasonably consistent basis here. That's an 800-yard pace for a season. That's nothing in 2023. But until until we see it, there's no way you can justify betting on Drake London. All right, let's go. Damian Pierce here, your favorite player coming into 2023. 55 and a half rushing yards. Oh, yeah. Big fan of this guy. I, I actually do think he goes over this number. I don't think the Colts are that great on the defensive side. And listen, this game's going to be close. You can't say that about Texans games with any kind of consistency. They might actually win this game. We'll get to that in the pick situation here. But Pierce, he's the featured guy. He's James Conner, Miles Sanders. We were just talking about him. He's going to go over this number, not because he's good, but because he's going to get 20 touches. All right. Last one here. I'm on Ross St. Brown, 76 and a half receiving yards. Over. I think, like I was going under and everything Atlanta-related, I think I'll go over in just about everything related to this Lions-Seahawks game. 93 points when they matched up last season. I'm not saying that's going to happen again, but you're talking a total flirting with 50 here. I like everything tied to the Lions, and that that all revolves around Amon Ross St. Brown. The Sun God goes over 76 and a half yards this weekend. All right, that was our player props of the week presented by Superdraft. Sign up now and score an instant $20 deposit bonus on deposits of $20 or more when you use the promo code PFN. Find the link to download the Superdraft app here, right here in your YouTube or podcast description. Let's get into these matchups here for week two. Everything that we are going to talk about can be found over in Kyle Soppy's week two cheat sheet. You can find this over at pfnfantasy.com. 
analysis for every single player in every single game. 20,000 words here that you need to go check out here from the intelligent man here right on this podcast and it is not me uh pfn fantasy uh. discord also you need to get into here as we are going to be answering your start sick questions as we go into week two let's talk packers falcons here the spread here here is falcons minus one and a half 40 and a half uh point over under jordan love showed some impressive things here in week one up against the chicago bears is he someone that fantasy managers can look to stream here in week one uh week two no, I don't think he matters right now for single quarterback leagues. He's a nice story when it comes to two quarterback leagues, super flex, things like that. We saw six different players were targeted on his first seven passes, and that was in a game that didn't feature Christian Watson. In theory, his number one target. So I did love what I saw out of him. But again, take it take it with a grain of salt here. It was against the Bears. It was in a hyper-efficient environment. And he wasn't all that accurate, 15 to 27. wasn't that great. To me, he's still a two-quarterback guy that I'm not streaming in one quarterback leagues just yet, especially with the injuries to Aaron Jones and Christian Watson. All right, as far as the Falcons quarterback, Desmond Ritter, we talked about him. You are not going anywhere near him for fantasy. Let's talk about the running backs here. Aaron Jones did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday this week. If Aaron Jones cannot play, are you starting A.J. Dillon with confidence this week? Yeah, he's a top 20 guy for me. If uh, if Aaron Jones is out, then what is A.J. Dillon but an enhanced version of like a James Conner, Miles Sanders, Najee Harris for that matter? It's an offense that we... Not that we trust it, but we think it's better than any of those other offenses. You're talking the Cardinals and teams like that. So the point expectancy, the touch volume, I've got him as a flex play regardless. If we do get word that Aaron Jones is out, A.J. Dillon vaults into my top 20 for week two. All right. As we look at Bijan Robinson here for the Falcons, obviously an incredible breakout performance here in uh, his NFL debut here. He is obviously someone that you are starting. No questions asked. Tyler Algier had a really impressive performance here in week one. Is he a top 30 running back for you, or is this something where just because of Bijan Robinson, we can't rely on him just yet? Yeah, I've got him at running back 35, so he's just kind of outside the trust zone, and I'm not flexing him this week and probably won't most weeks. I get the idea. Arthur Smith just wants to run the ball, and Algier is going to be a part of that. We saw it in week one. Bijan was running great, and Algier still got his love. But listen, this is an offense that isn't going to score much. And if they're going to score, Algiers, what, fourth in the hierarchy of guys most likely to score in this offense. So you need volume from a secondary back. I'm not going there yet. I could be proved wrong. I've been wrong on Arthur Smith for, you know, the better part of two years here. But I'm benching him. He does deserve to be on rosters, though. His role is there. Yeah. All right, as we go to the wide receiver position, Christian Watson not practicing yet again here. So is Romeo Dobbs or Jaden Reed someone that fantasy managers can look at if Christian Watson does not play? I don't think so. I'm I'm almost blindly benching these fringe flex kind of guys in any situation against the Falcons. There just aren't enough possessions. Not that I think the Falcons are any great defense or anything like that, but they just bleed the clock. And I think Green Bay kind of wants to do the same too. Not enough possessions here to go around. Christian Watson's on the fringes for me if he plays and if he doesn't there's not a receiver in this game i want all right so now let's look at the falcons wide receivers here obviously drake london uh what we would classify as a disappointing performance already barreling towards being the fantasy football bust of the year based on where he was going in drafts drake london here in week two is he someone that you should trust in your lineup i don't think he can i mean he's on a i need to see it kind of basis which sucks to be quite honest with you i think the talent is there we see glimpses of it every now and again and the same story with kyle pitts we just don't see enough volume in this offense they threw 18 passes you know how insane your target share and efficiency has to be to turn that in to anything even remotely usable the packers defense isn't bad you could see some alexander in this matchup and again we're talking a a 40 point total 
low scoring, low possessions. It's, it's going to be the same song and dance every week with these Falcons. I can't do it until we see something significant change. Drake London is at wide receiver 37 in my rankings here for this week. I will ask you, Drake London or Elijah Moore in week two? You know who's wide receiver 37 in my ranks? Elijah Moore. You know who's wide receiver 47 in my ranks? Drake ooh, London. Ooh. So give me, and I was high on London coming into the season. Like, I want to like it, but right now, I don't care how much you like it. You have to listen to the story that they're telling you, and it's that they don't want to do this. He's going to have one of these weeks, he's going five. He's doing what freaking Devontae Smith did yesterday. He's going four for a buck 40 and a touchdown and going to help exactly nobody. But give me Elijah Moore in this spot. All right. So I'm not in the right ballpark. Let's move a little bit further down the board. Uh, Drake London here or Sky Moore going up against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's see. Uh, that one's close for me. I Sky Moore can't be as bad as he was last week. Can he? No. And if we're going to say you keep needing to be attached to this offense in a game, again, the total's over 50. Sky Moore... Wide receiver 45 for me, Drake London 47. So I'm giving Sky Moore after the worst game of potentially history, maybe of all time. I'm put I'm taking the volume of him in a game where I think the Chiefs could probably score more points than the Falcons will throw passes. Yep. Oh yeah. Give me that something. easily. Give me that yeah. bet. Uh let's go Drake London here. Last one. Drake London or Allen Robinson with Deontay Johnson most likely not set to play. I know. What a world. Allen Robinson, <laughs> wide receiver 43 for me. Like, I'm going Allen right, Robinson. I'm in the right I'm, ballpark. I'm in yeah, the right you ballpark. definitely are. But, I mean, we're talking in the 40, so ideally you're not playing any of these right. guys. But Robinson saw the targets. Deontay Johnson, in theory, the slot role is Robinson's now. That big slot role. I like it. Kenny Pickett going to be better than what he was in week one. Allen Robinson, I, I don't want to say he's trending in the right direction, but he is through one week. All right, let's go over to the tight ends here. Luke Musgrave, obviously we were encouraged from what we saw here, but not necessarily enough to put him into our starting lineups here in week two. Kyle Pitts, how far down the rankings is Kyle Pitts compared to week one? He's down four spots. Like he went, he was middle of the pack in the top 10 for me in week one. He's tight on 11 for me here in week two. That puts him on the fringe. That means you got decisions to make. And I've been stubborn about playing this guy week over week, just saying, trust the talent, trust the talent. Like the tight end position's awful that you will eventually pay off. And he might. He had the long catch and double coverage last week. And that looked great. It looked great once, though. I mean, that's all we're doing here. There's just not enough upside. Again, you can swallow it at the tight end position more than you can at the wide receiver position, which is why he's in the conversation for starting. And Drake London's not. But to me, 11, so that technically puts him out of the out of the starter bucket in 10-team leagues and just barely in there in 12-teamers. All right, I tweeted this out yesterday as a poll, asked people. I uh, got some very Saw interesting that. responses, Kyle Pitts or Hunter Henry in week two. Yeah, I'm. you like Hunter Henry. You are on him coming into the season, so I'll give you credit there. I'm still going Pitts, but that's more of a I hate the Patriots situation. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's fair, but just goes to show that Kyle Pitts was being drafted as the tight end five, tight end six off the board. Hunter Henry oh, yeah. is the tight end 27, and after one week, we are already panicking that much. And honestly, the poll responses were not aligned with you. It was very clearly that they will go Hunter Henry here. People are completely right. out on this Falcons take on the passing masses. attack, which I do not blame them. Uh, let's make a pick here for this game. Again, this was, what was the spread here? Falcons minus one and a half. I'm going to go Packers here. Oh, man. Okay, so I'm 1-0 in picking Packer games against you. This game started with the Packers' favorite. It's now it flipped, and that scares me. I think the, what the Falcons do well is not what the Packers do well. I think Atlanta controls the clock and ekes this one out by a field goal. 
Give me Atlanta to cover the number here. Something stupid like it's gonna be weird numbers too. Give me like uh we'll go 22-17. Something yep. like that. Some weirdo score. Yep, I don't feel like this is gonna be a very pretty game. Let's move on yep. to one that hopefully is a lot more pretty for the Buffalo Bills after their performance on Monday Night Football last week. Las Vegas Raiders at the Buffalo Bills here. Bills minus eight and a half of 47 point over under Jimmy Garoppolo not someone that you are looking at here as a starter in one QB formats here up against the Buffalo Bills defense Josh Allen he loved targeting Jordan Whitehead last week our fantasy managers confidently starting Josh Allen here after a abysmal performance in week one I think you have to right I mean you take the good with the bad with this guy part of what makes him so good are these bad days like he was taking chances the pick he threw to Gabe Davis was late it was late on both their ends things like that if it hits right it's a 75-yard touchdown. Like, it, it's such a game of inches. He's still in my top three. He's still a tier one quarterback for me with Mahomes and Hurts because of that upside. And trust me, are we betting on the Raiders' defense to slow right. anybody? Right. That's the thing here is that if this was a, a tougher defense that he was going up against, if this was the Dallas Cowboys defense, like, I would have Josh Way Allen different. maybe QB7 on the week, just a little bit more nervous and and hesitant here but this is the las vegas raiders defense you start josh allen here no questions asked running backs josh jacobs here not necessarily a great performance in week one are we expecting a bounce back performance here in week two? Oh yeah if you have the budget and dfs to spend up for josh jacobs in a bounce back spot i'm doing it this they there's one way they okay there's two ways they compete in this game it's josh jacobs early often and with regularity and some one of those like 25 or 28 touch like what we saw from miles sanders last night that's one way for them to do it or just go through the goat jacoby myers but i'm not even sure he's gonna play so josh jacobs to me is a dfs option and a top 10 guy for me this week he's rb8 on the week for me as well james cook here 18 opportunities in week one uh didn't necessarily do a ton a ton with them but it's encouraging to see that opportunity is he someone that you were looking at here up against the raiders defense 100% agree there. I mean, he was on the field and getting the ball in this offense. The offense was terrible, but we don't think that's going to sustain. And as they pick up the pace, they're going to put Cook in better scoring positions. He comes off the field on occasion here and there, but he was really featured. And I was impressed with the touch right here. He's a top 20 running back for me, and I'm locking him in in all formats. James Cook, RB15 on the week for me, and I have been on record saying that I am skeptical of James Cook this year. However, in this matchup, you start him. Uh, let's go to the wide receivers here. Devontae Adams, he returned to practice in full yesterday. He is someone that you are locking into your starting lineup. Jacoby Myers, if he starts, if he is back, Soppy, you got to start him. I will admit it. You got to start Jacoby yes. Myers here based on what we saw in week one. Stefan Diggs, and again, another option there that you are just absolutely starting. The one that I do have questions about is Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis not necessarily, you know, doing a, doing a ton here in week one. But again, we've talked about this matchup up against the Raiders defense. Is Gabe Davis someone that you are starting with confidence? With confidence is a little strong because we need to see it from Davis. He's been this hit and miss boomer bust guy for three years now. And I think that's more of the same of what we're going to get this year. But obviously, week one was was tough for everything Buffalo-related. Gabe is wide receiver 31 for me. So that puts him in the flex conversation, depending how your roster works out. If you have three receivers, two receivers, 12 teams, 10 teams, all that good stuff. But Josh Allen's ADOT was down 36% last week from his 2022 number. I don't think that's here to stay. They're going to keep pushing the ball. That's what they do. They're going to produce. Diggs was Diggs last week. It's going to open up Davis. And he's still on the field a ton. Sixth in route run last season. 
just being on the field as Josh, if I if I'm banking on Josh Allen to remain a top three quarterback, Gabe Davis needs to remain in that flex conversation. This is as good a spot as I need to get right. He's wide receiver 31 for you, wide receiver 33 for me on the week. And okay. I feel like Gabe Davis every single week is just going to be in that wide receiver 33 spot for me in my rankings every single week and just be like, he could finish as a top 10 option. He could finish outside the top 60. So I'm just going to split the difference yeah. there and go with wide receiver 33. Dalton Kincaid, uh, obviously seeing plenty of work there with Dawson Knox as well last week. Is Dalton Kincaid someone that you were looking at here in week two? He's not quite a starter for me, but he's definitely trending closer to that direction than I would have thought after one week. They just went with the beef up front. They went with two tight ends and two receivers a lot more often than I thought they would. They told us they were going to do that in the preseason, but you can only trust coach speak until you see it. So Kincaid definitely trending in the right direction. Could be the most valuable rookie tight end on the board this year. I know Sam Laporta had the impressive week one as well, but I think Kincaid in a great offense, and I don't trust Dawson Knox. So I'm not starting Kincaid yet, but he's a lot more roster-worthy now than he was seven days ago for me. All right, let's make a pick here. Bills minus eight and a half. Where are you going in this one? This is tough because you've got the injuries to deal with here. Obviously, I'm a Jacoby Myers guy. You said Devontae Adams is back and Jimmy G dealing with an ankle. I'm still going with the Raiders here. Eight and a half points is a lot. All Jimmy G does is keep games close. He's 32-15 and 15 since 2019 when throwing at least 20 passes. And 10 of those 15 losses came by a touchdown or less. That covers me this number in about 82% of the time. I'll take my chances. I'm trusting the process there when it comes to Garoppolo. Yeah, 8.5 is a big line here for what we saw from this Bills team in Week 1. I don't think that that com gets completely ironed out here. This is just a little bit too big of a spread here. I still think Bills are going to win this game, but not by 8.5. Mm -hmm. I will go the Raiders as well. Let's move on to Baltimore Ravens at the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals minus three in this one, 46 point over under. Let's start here at the quarterback position. Lamar Jackson, not necessarily doing, you know, top 15 or top uh, five numbers here in week one. But is he someone that you should look at here in this matchup? Yeah, he's quarterback six for me. I think what we're going to learn from week one in retrospect, the Texans defense is better than we're giving them credit for. So. We, we understand they're a bad team. And that just kind of gets lumped in when you see the Ravens is a big favorite and underachieving and all that stuff. You just assume he's going against a sieve of a defense, but that's not the case here. This Texans defense is going to be better than most think. So Lamar Jackson struggles. Yeah, they weren't ideal, but I think they can be explained away a little bit here. No Mark Andrews in week one obviously plays into that, but he had a big connection with Zay Flowers. So if you're giving me that rushing ability with two trusted targets, I'm signing up for it easy. He's a starter until proven otherwise. And I still think he's got an outside shot at being the MVP this year. Lamar Jackson, QB seven on the week for me as well. Let's go here to the other side where I don't know if this guy is a guaranteed starter based on what he did in week one. Always kind of has a shaky performance in week one and then seems to rebound as the year goes along because he never freaking plays in the preseason. Joe yeah. Burrow here. What do we do with Joe Burrow going into week two? He's quarterback nine for me. He's the end of the, you kind of got to start this guy tier. Anthony Richardson's right behind him. So that's, that's about where I'm drawing the line here. Joe Burrow, I mean, we have more sample of good than bad. Like you said, he started last season slow. He had the four picks in week one. Bounced back a little bit in week two and got it rolling as the season progressed here. It's not going to be what it was in week one. It just can't be. You can't go 0 for 8 throwing to T. Higgins and things like that. Jamar Chase out here talking up a big game. I'm trusting the process. I, I hate that you have that we saw what we did last season or last week from him. It was brutal. There's no two ways about it. But I do think Joe Burrow is still in the trust circle that you can't really bench him. And if you drafted him on or if you drafted him this summer, odds are good you didn't draft a good secondary quarterback because you didn't think you'd need one. So realistically, you're not benching Burrow for, you know, a guy like Brock Purdy that you may have picked right. up recently. 
Joe Burrow QB nine on the week for me as well. Let's go to the running back position here for Baltimore. Obviously JK Dobbins out for the year there with that torn Achilles fantasy managers went after Gus Edwards and justice Hill on the waiver wire this week. Are you starting either of them in this matchup? I don't. And that's because of how you frame the question. We don't know which one is going to be the guy. I think it's Gus. I have a reasonable level of confidence that it's Gus, but you're still talking a Todd Monken offense that didn't look great last week in a committee with a mobile quarterback. Like, we don't know who's getting these looks. Justice Hill cashed in the two short yardage opportunities. So that makes me think that Dobbins might not be the guy there, even if he, if I think he leads this backfield in touches. He's a poor man's James Cook right now. We Cook is the featured guy, but we don't think he's going to get the in-close touches because that's Josh Allen. So for me, he's his upside's just capped. I don't know his upside right now. You can flex him if you need to, but running back 31 for me says that you don't need to. Gus Edwards at RB35 on the week for me, Justice Hill at RB40. These are both guys that you just need to see how this backfield plays out before you you know plug oh, either yeah. of them into your starting lineup as starters. There are still much more you know better options. And we talked about this on the waiver wire podcast. These guys were depth ads. These were not guys that you were instantly Correct. adding. And also the other factor here at play is Melvin Gordon, probably going to be called up to the active roster here for this game as well. Would we be shocked if it's Seven carries for Gus Edwards, seven carries for Justice Hill, and five carries for Melvin Gordon this week. Not at all. Joe Mixon here is someone that not lightened up the scoreboard last week, but also that Cincinnati Bengals offense certainly didn't either. Still a locked and loaded option here for your fantasy lineups. Let's go to the wide receiver position. Where does Zay Flowers land on the week for you after an incredible rookie debut? He's a moving piece a little bit here. The debut was good. That He looked as good as the numbers suggest he was. Obviously, no Mark Andrews. Kind of skews everything a little bit. Not quite like it did in Kansas City without Kelsey, where it's like, oh my God, what are they going to do without Kelsey? I was impressed with Flowers. I want to start him. I want to start making excuses to bump him up higher and higher in my ranks. He's wide receiver 27 for me. So realistically, that's a strong flex play in most leagues because you're starting 24 receivers. And most more often than not, in half and full point PPR, your flex should be a receiver. So Flowers is a good flex play for me. I'm not putting him higher just because I don't know exactly what the target share is going to look like with Mark Andrews in town. I will go ahead and take the under on 48% of the targets in a repeat performance with uh, with Andrews in the mix. But I don't, I don't see a reason why you can't see north of six, seven targets. And to me, that's valuable. You and I are in lockstep here today. Zay Flowers, wide receiver 26 on the week for me. Let's ask a <laughs> couple questions here. Zay Flowers or George Pickens up against the Cleveland Browns defense on Monday Night Football? I've got Pickens at 24. I think that game sneaky gets higher scoring than people think. No Deontay Johnson. They've been using him down the field too. So that just tells me that Pickens is going to get a large majority of the deep downfield targets. And I trust him to haul in one or two of them. And if he can, we saw Zay Flowers with the short dot in week one. So if you're talking five catches for Flowers opposed to seven or eight targets from Pickens, I'll take my chances on the quality of target adding up in rather short order for Pickens. I've got him 24 and 27. So it's not a definitive call for me, but I'm going Pickens. I'm going to go Zay Flowers there. I've got uh, Flowers okay. at 26, Pickens at 29 right now. Uh, let's go final one here. Zay Flowers or Garrett Wilson with Zach Wilson as his quarterback up against the Dallas Cowboys yeah. defense. I am looking for every excuse to bench Garrett Wilson this week. It hurts me to say that because he's so talented. We drafted him as a top 10 guy, and we know that's there. He made the highlight reel catch on Monday night. I get it, and I get being stubborn. You spent a second-round pick on this dude. You want to plug him in. Zay Flowers, when did you get him? The 8th, ninth, 10th yeah. round? Like Making that decision hurts the soul a little bit, 
But you have to put your pride on the sidelines here. I have Zay Flowers a spot ahead of Garrett Wilson, and I feel reasonably good about that. The target count probably is similar. The target quality is going to be higher for Zay Flowers. That offense is going to be in scoring position far more often than we think the Jets will be. So Zay Flowers, I have him one spot higher as of taping in this podcast. It wouldn't surprise me if that gap widened before kickoff. All right, and then Rashad Bateman, Odell Beckham Jr., neither are guys that you need to get into your starting lineup here this week. Jamar Chase, you are starting him, no questions asked. T. Higgins. What do you do with T. Higgins? You play him. You have to. You have to. I'm reading more into the eight targets and the zero catches. I get that he goose-egged for you and that you want to bench him. I made the hot take on the DFS podcast this week. I think T. Higgins could win somebody a million dollars this week. Like, there's going to be enough. People are going to pivot off of him. We saw him have the dud in the Joe Burrow dud in week one last season. He bounced back with 10 targets and a touchdown in week two. I think we could see something similar like that in this game. For DFS purposes, I'm going T. Higgins, bringing it back with Zay Flowers, and just hoping for a lot of production in the pass game in this spot. T. Higgins, for me, a top 20 guy. T. Higgins at wide receiver 16 on the week for me. Tyler Boyd, not someone that you need to get into starting lineups for uh, me. He is at wide receiver 50 on the week. Tight ends, Mark Andrews, if he plays, you are starting him, correct? Locked and loaded. No question about it. All right. And then Irv Smith Jr. not showing enough here to be on the starting radar just yet. Let's make a pick here. Bengals minus three. Where are you going? The Ravens, we think they're going to have a good pass game, right? I mean, under Todd Munkin, that was the narrative all season long. Well, the Bengals are 6-1 ATS against top 10 passing offenses since the beginning of 2021. Give me the Bengals to cover this number. Don't love laying the points in division like this, but Joe Burrow just too good against the spread on too consistent of a basis. I will go the Ravens on this side of it. Just not ready to buy into that Bengals team here just yet. Uh, I think that sure. it they'll make this one close, but I think Ravens end up winning this game outright. Let's go Seahawks Ooh. versus Lions here. Lions minus five and a half of 47 point, or I'm sorry, Lions minus four and a half, 47 point over under. Let's go to the quarterback position here. Geno Smith was someone that we were targeting last week due to the matchup. That certainly didn't come to fruition here. Up against the Detroit Lions, is he someone that fantasy managers can look at as a top 15 play? Top 15, yes. So if you're playing in a 15-team quarterback, one quarterback (laughs) league, I think he's there. He's quarterback 13 for me. So realistically, I think you probably have a better option on your roster. He's not at the bottom of the ranks. Like, I'm... We're going to see a bounce back. He's got the top two targets. He went to them heavily. This game, like I said earlier, 93 points when these two teams played a season ago. I don't think Detroit's defense is as good as what we saw in the season opener. That said, there is still some risk. I'm worried we didn't see the rushing from Geno in week one that we saw last season, and that was how he was able to elevate his floor in 2022. So I'm scared. He's my second favorite quarterback in this game, but I think... I think you can do better if push comes to shove and you want to put him in there or you want to go this direction in DFS. I get it. Not a top 12 guy, but yes, in my top 15. All right, let's ask Geno Smith or Daniel Jones here up against the Arizona Cardinals in week two. It's, it's funny. I go Goff, Dimes, Smith. So I'm going Dimes just ahead of him. Big bounce back spot against the Cardinals is a big favorite. I'm not, I think the floor is higher. That's that's the rationale behind that. The rushing for Daniel Jones yep. helps his floor here. Saquon Barkley gets on track in that short pass game. Hopefully Darren Waller plays. If Waller sits, then I'll flip that. I reserve the right to change that up to click, up until kickoff. So if Waller were to sit, give me Geno Smith over Daniel Jones. That's why we do our YouTube starts it live streams yes, sir. on Sunday morning. Tune in here, youtube.com slash at PFN Fantasy. That is Jared Goff at 10 for me, Daniel Jones at 12, and Geno Smith at 14 currently. Let's talk about Jared Goff here in this matchup. Not necessarily a great play in week one up against this Kansas City Chiefs defense. Do we expect a bounce back performance here? 
Yeah, I think you have to. One out of every 14 passes at home last season resulted in a touchdown for Mr. Goff. They averaged over 33 points a game when they were at home last season. I'm not saying they get to 33, but I definitely think they can put points on the board. And I think Seattle does the same on the other end. We're talking another game with a total flirting in that 50 range. And I think it could go over, like I said, 93 points last season. If we even get half that total, Goff is flirting. He's in the top 12 quarterback situation, if not higher. The lack of rushing keeps him outside of my top 10. But I do like the upside in this matchup. All right, let's go to the running back position here. Kenneth Walker, fantasy managers, had a ton of questions about this guy and what the split was going to be after the Seahawks drafted Zach Charbonnet in the second round of the 2023 NFL draft. Kenneth Walker at RB10 on the week for me here this week. Where is he for you? Yeah, you're too low. Too low. Running back eight for me. I don't get how it can't be an all wheels up situation for Walker after seeing him dominate the touches in week one and a week that we weren't 100% sure he was healthy. In theory, he's only going to be healthier now than he was then. He had nine carries before Charbonnet got his second. If we see more of the same against this Lions defense in a high scoring environment, I don't know how you get Kenneth Walker outside your top 12. Zach Charbonnet, not someone that you should be looking at here just based on that carry split in week one. Let's go to the Detroit Lions running backs here. An interesting situation to see how this plays out here in week two. Are you starting both David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs in week two up against the Seahawks? I am, but my split between the two is probably different than yours and different than most of the industry here. Jameer Gibbs, I believe what they're saying when it comes to wanting to feature him. Everything we saw on Thursday night, my goodness, this guy is ready to produce at a high level. I'm just not sure David Montgomery is anything special. He's like Alexander Madison. Like, he's fine. His longest run was the touchdown last week. That was eight yards. Jameer Gibbs is going to do that once out of every 10 carries. Like, I am more than happy to go Gibbs over Montgomery. I've got it in a pretty significant way. I have Gibbs inside my top 15 this week. I have David Montgomery at RB11, Jameer Gibbs at RB14. So we are split there. I will start David Montgomery over Jameer Gibbs just based on the workload. I do think that Jameer Gibbs starts to see a little bit more involvement here in this offense, which is... You can still start him. You can still confidently play him mm-hmm. as a top 15 play. However, that doesn't mean that you should absolutely fade David Montgomery. I think that there's room for both of these guys to eat here this week. Let's go to the wide receivers here. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. Are you starting both of them with confidence? I think you have to. Again, if we're going to tell the story that this is going to be a high-scoring game, and I I think it will be. Obviously, Lockett got banged up last week, so you got to keep an eye on that to some degree. But they're both top 20 guys for me. I have DK over Lockett just for the scoring upside. And, I mean, the touchdown last week, He spun my man around. And just the fact that you can do that at that size, it's tough to guard. I don't know how you slow him on any sort of consistent basis. High-scoring shootout here. You're starting your three main guys here. Those two in Amon Ra, without question. All right, JSN here. Uh, Back in week one from the wrist surgery. Impressive that he was able to play. Are you looking his way here as a potential flex option? No, I mean, I get it if you want to go that direction and think that, like, it's a high-scoring game. This this soppy idiot keeps telling me that there were 93 points scored in this game last season. If that were to happen again, I guess JSN probably gets fed and pays off here. But he's he's not a top 40 guy for me. Not until we see him produce in a reasonable way and a big Geno game against these two, or next to the two-star receivers. We need Geno to bounce back. And if it bounces back, it's through Metcalf and Lockett, in my opinion. It's not JSN, not right now, at least. All right. On the Detroit Lions side of things, I'm on Ross St. Brown. You are starting him, no questions asked. Josh Reynolds was fine last week, but not necessarily. You need to see, no. you need a larger sample size here to be able to confidently start him. Uh, let's go to the tight ends here. Sam Laporta. Is he someone that you can look here in for your starting lineup in week two? 
This is where things get iffy for me if you're deciding between him and Kyle Pitts. Like, I get how you could because maybe you picked up Laporta after the big week one. I have Pitts at 11 and Laporta at 12. So I'd still go Pitts in that discussion. The 100% catch rate, all that stuff was great. It still was under six, seven fantasy points. So there's, to me, not enough of a ceiling yet. But this Detroit Lions offense is going to function through the air and they need a second pass catcher. If Laporta starts to work his way into that before Jamison Williams is back, he could be a top 10 option moving forward. Not quite there for me yet, but he's he's tied on 12. He's on the radar for sure. I would probably say in half PPR and full PPR, Laporta would get the nod for me. And then in a non-PPR format, Kyle Pitts would probably get the nod there. I think that okay. Laporta probably sees more targets and reels in more receptions, but yardage and potential might be favoring Kyle Pitts there. But ask me that question again next week and after another down performance from Kyle Pitts and I might have Kyle Pitts at tight end 15 going into week three let's make a pick here for this one uh like I said Lions minus four and a half where are you going here I'm going with the Lions they were seven and one ATS after a win last season obviously coming off the week one win here it scares me laying a number with Jared Goff like that's not a sentence I love to say but if I'm gonna do it it's at home in a potential shootout I don't think the points really matter because I think this is a high scoring game and Four and a half points hits different if you think this game's in the 50s and the 30s. So I'll lay the points here with the Lions. How are you feeling about the NFC North? You love you some <laughs> NFC North action. Yeah, it feels great to say every single week. Uh, I will go the Lions <laughs> here as well, just based on it being at home. Okay. I think that this, uh, you know, I live here in Michigan. The fan base is just rabid for what is going on here in Detroit. I think that they're going to show up here for this one. And the Seahawks defense did not look great last week. So no. I will go Lions here minus four and a half. All right, let's move on here to the Chargers at the Titans. The spread here, Chargers minus 345 point over under. Let's start here at the quarterback position. Justin Herbert, you are obviously starting him. Zero questions asked. Ryan Tannehill, you are obviously sitting him. Zero questions asked. Let's move on to the running backs. Austin Eckler, missing practice for... Up to this point, we are recording this here Friday morning. He has not practiced so far this week. Now, there are a ton of variables at play here. He did miss practice at 1.4, the death of his agent. So he was right. at the funeral. I think that was on Wednesday. However, then Thursday, missed practice because of his ankle injury. So we, as we are recording this, we have zero clue what is going on with Austin Eckler and if he is going to suit up here. Let's play this forward. If Austin Eckler does play, even if he's limited, you are starting him you were starting him because he's austin eckler if eckler does sit where does joshua kelly land in the rankings for you he's gonna be in the mid-20s for me i i can't go that high on him because i don't think he has a pass catching profile of eckler obviously we saw the 38 41 split in front of uh in terms of snaps in week one like kelly was there in a close game against the dolphins obviously it was a little different. They were running the ball a ton to try to keep two and company off the field. I don't think that's the case. I don't think they're worried about how often Ryan Tannehill is on the field. They might want that to be the case. That might actually increase their win expectancy here. So it's a different game plan for me. I think they operate through the air with or without Eckler. So that's why I don't think Kelly can get inside my top 24 for the week. But if you tell me Eckler's out definitively, Kelly's very much on the flex conversation. And, and like these boring running backs that we've been talking about, could he go... I don't know, 20 touches for 75 yards and have a chance at a touchdown because this offense is productive. I, I think he could. The lack of volume in the past game scares me a little bit. He's he's a flex guy for me. This is another opportunity for me to plug the YouTube starts at live streams on Sunday morning. Yes, you got to come back on, on Sunday morning to get the information that you need here for this, uh, for Joshua Kelly and Austin Eckler. Derrick Henry, 
Tajay Spears was more involved in this offense than I definitely expected in week one. However, it did not work for the Tennessee Titans offense last week. I think that's putting it mildly. To put Derrick Henry on the sidelines, do we expect him to just be locked and loaded back in your starting lineup here this week in a featured role? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's much question there. Derrick Henry's one of one. Like, you can't tell me you, you're throwing just a random Jamoke in behind him and expecting him to do what Henry does. Like, this offense is terrible. Nobody's going to respect Ryan Tannehill until he deserves it, and I'm not sure he does. And I'm not sure he will at any point. The receivers are a tough question, but as far as the running game goes, it starts and ends with Derrick Henry, top 10 guy for me. There's your, uh, I did not expect to hear a Jamoke reference. Jamoke, yeah. Jamoke. I, I did not I expect to hear that to uh, this morning on Friday, but hey, we got it in there. Uh, let's go to the wide receivers. Keenan Allen, you are definitely starting him based on what we saw in last uh, last week. Mike Williams did leave for a period last week, did come back here, but Mike Williams going into week two, is he someone that you were looking to start in this matchup? Yeah, he's a wide receiver too for me. Obviously, you carry the risk of injury every single week with this guy, but you also carry the risk of a big play. I mentioned earlier that the Chargers did go run heavy last week to keep the Dolphins off the field. If they open things up in a big way, I mean, I bet Justin Herbert at the beginning of the season to lead the league in passing yards. I, I'm not a complete moron, so hopefully he starts paying that off a little bit more this week than last, and I think he does. I think we're looking at 40 pass attempts somewhere in there against a Titan secondary that's very vulnerable and can be had, so I, I have no hesitation going back to the well with Mike Williams. Yeah, I've got him at wide receiver 24 on the week. Definitely a start for me. However, if you're looking at guys like Chris Godwin, Amari Cooper, T. Higgins, those are guys that I would all be starting above Mike Williams. Let's go here to... Uh, the Tennessee Titans side of things, DeAndre Hopkins, you were skeptical of DeAndre Hopkins coming into the year because you just didn't know if he was going to get the volume, the targets. Well, he got those in week one. Are you changing your tune on DeAndre Hopkins? Nope, not one bit. Cause I still don't expect them to throw the ball much. He's not going to earn targets at a 40% clip on any consistent basis. I don't care what you think of him. And even if he does, how valuable are 40% of Ryan Tannehill targets? I'm not sure it's that high. He's Drake. He's a, he's a rich man's Drake London, which isn't like a year ago. Maybe that was a praise right. to the highest of standards. Yeah, but it's it's not good anymore. He's wide receiver 30 for me. I had him outside my top 20 coming into the season and I'm not going out 13 targets. And the man was barely at double digit fantasy points. Like you just can't count on the big play or the spike play. And I don't think this team's going to be in scoring position all that often. And if they are, it's because Derrick Henry's running through this porous chargers run defense that's their one avenue to keep this thing close much like the falcons it's it's a run oriented offense that i don't want to gamble on the pass catchers if i don't have to it also doesn't help that he has missed practice on wednesday and thursday so far this week so we are monitoring that situation as we move forward Traylon burke's not someone that you were looking to get into your starting lineup based on the target share that he saw in week one the tight ends here gerald everett and chig aconco let's just group these guys together where are they in your rankings here for week two yeah, I'm more high in Everett than I am Chig. Chig's outside of my top 15. Again, just a volume play. If I'm not willing to bet on Hopkins in this offense, how can I justify betting on any other pass catcher? So I'm not going there. Gerald Everett does interest me. He's my tight end 10 for the week. Again, I think the Chargers are just going to open things up. They didn't want to in week one, so they didn't. But I think they do in this spot in a matchup that kind of demands that they do as much. The Titans gave up 2.6 yards on the ground per carry in week one. I'm not sure they're going to be that good again, but their run defense is significantly stronger than their pass defense. This is an Everett spot for me, top 10 guy at the position. That's a little bit different here for me. Uh, we've been in lockstep up to this point. Gerald Everett at tight end 20 on the week. So a big split here. I would be looking to sit Gerald okay. Everett if you've got him. Let's make a pick here. 
Chargers minus three. Where are you going? This terrifies me, man, because I'm going to go against my numbers. I'm very much a numbers oriented by the book, by the spreadsheet kind of guy. And since Justin Herbert, in the Justin Herbert era, we're talking 20 games the Chargers have had decided by a field goal or less. That leads the league by a ton. So in theory, taking the points makes a lot of sense. But I do think they open it up and get a lead early and run out. So I'm going to say the Chargers not only cover this number, but because I think they cover this, they have to cover it big because the Chargers don't cover close games. So I'll change the Chargers by 13. All right, I will go the Chargers here as well. I just think the the talent level between these two rosters is not even close. I talked about this last week. Now the Titans did keep it close uh, last week there against the Saints. However, I do think that uh, the Ryan Tannehill experience, I just, uh, yeah, I will go the Chargers here <laughs> for this one. Uh, let's go Bears at the Buccaneers. Buccaneers minus two and a half, a 41 point total over under. Not exactly going to see points fly up on the board here in this one. Justin Fields didn't exactly light it up here in week one. Is he someone that you are looking at starting confidently in week two? Yeah, I mean, you're the Justin Fields guy, so you tell me. But I do think Fields is a starter. The rushing we saw was still there in week one against the Packers and a blowout loss. And to me, that's what you're rooting on. I, do we want to see the passing game improve? Of course we do. But we don't need it right now for fantasy. In a perfect world, if he's going to challenge that top tier, we need it. But to start... You drafted him as a starter. He's starting this week. He's quarterback seven for me. And I, I feel decent about it. I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball much in this spot. And that opens up fields for 45 combined opportunities between rushing and passing. That's enough to get him in the top 10. Yeah, I've got him at QB six on the week. I do think that we see a higher A dot this week than two and a half yards downfield. So I do think that we'll see Justin Fields uh, be a top 10 option here for fantasy lineups. Baker Mayfield, not someone that you were looking at starting here in this matchup. Let's talk about the Bears running backs. Khalil Herbert, Roshan Johnson, Deontay Foreman, are any of them in your starting lineup here for week two? No, no, they aren't. We saw the Bucs shut down the run game of the Vikings last week, and I think it's more of the same this week, but without the featured guy. Like, they shut down Madison last week. This week, we don't really know where the touches are going. I know Herbert led the way in a pretty significant way while that game was close with the Packers, and he's still my highest-ranked guy, but he's outside my top 30. I just don't see a situation in which the Bears total much more than 100 rushing yards, and I don't know how he's going to get there if that's going to be the case. Uh, Rashad White was hashtag not good in week one there, but saw plenty of volume here. How So that would lead me to say Rashad White outside my top 24 running backs. However, in week two, he gets the Chicago Bears run defense, which puts him at RB18 on the week for me. Is he someone that you are starting here this week? Yeah, he's 20 for me, and it feels gross, man. Like, it does, but once you get outside the top 15 running backs, it really isn't pretty for any of these guys. I do think the Bucks can score, and so that means he's going to be in position to, to do something, and you don't have to be that great to fall forward against the Bears defense that we saw gashed by the Packers play after play after play last week. I don't think the Bucks score 38 points, but I do think they get into the 20s, and to me, if that's going to happen, White's going to pay off as a boring boring running back two that gets you there i will say if rashad white does score a touchdown here this week sell 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 trade him immediately <laughs> yes. away get away from yes. this uh this backfield here in rashad white uh let's go to the wide receiver posi wide receiver position here for chicago dj moore only two targets in week one fantasy managers are starting to panic a little bit here is he someone that you should look at here in week two I think so. I mean, there's no way that's happening again. And if the running game is as quiet as we think it's going to be, the volume's going to be there. Trust the process here. They spent a lot to bring him in. They didn't spend a lot for him to watch Darnell Mooney lead this team in targets. I can promise you that. Cole Komet maybe takes a step back and the target count as well. 
I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking eight to 10 targets for more. And he's a good enough player that's established himself over time to turn that into wide receiver two numbers. And that's where I have him just inside my top 20. I've got him at wide receiver 25 on the week. So I'm a little bit more skeptical uh, than you are there as you got him inside your top 20. However, I do think that we do see more than two targets here this week. If that is the case, then we are, you know, Darnell Mooney had a good performance here in week one and did it on everyone's benches or on their waiver wires. Uh, however, if you did pick up Darnell Mooney here this week, is he someone that you are looking to start or because we expect DJ Moore to become that target alpha? That means Darnell Mooney has to take a step back. Yeah, the latter. I mean, Green Bay's vulnerable down the field. We noted that going into the matchup, and it paid off in the Mooney touchdown. But this is what fantasy managers need to be cognizant of. Chasing. You can't do it. 13.3 points from Darnell Mooney. You know how many of those points Kyle Yates count for you this week? Not a one of them. Zero. Goose egg. None of them. Don't chase the points. Trust your process here. And if they can't, you, you can't wish cast those 13 points into 13 points this week maybe he gets there and catches a bomb against a buck secondary that can be had i i don't see how you can start him he's outside my top 40 and i feel pretty good about it even after a good week one uh i realized as i was holding up my hand and going with the zero that you know people are listening to this on a podcast uh and you can't see that so you just had dead air so sorry about that buddy it's, okay. it's not like We're i've good. ever I've done thousands of these podcast episodes before uh chris godwin here kyler gordon the nickel corner for the chicago bears out on ir here so this i mean and kyler gordon wasn't necessarily a standout option either so opens things up here for chris godwin is he a top 20 play for you in week two I think you can kind of go back to both these Buccaneer receivers. Again, 50% of the targets in week one at least tells me that Baker's looking the right direction. Say what you will right. about his ability to do anything with those looks, but the fact that he's going the right direction with them at least tells me that he's he's got something to him. If you want to stack this three ways in DFS again, like I said last week, and we doubled our money when we did that just because of what it opens up for you, I completely get that. Last week it opened us to put Tyreek Hill in our lineups, which that worked out well. So you got to make the right decision there. DFS, he's a, a reasonable option. He's wide receiver 21 for me. I don't think the ceiling is overly high, but I think the floor is good enough. All he does is catch five plus passes every single week. That's going to put him on my radar in this matchup. Both Mike Evans and Chris Goblin, low-end wide receiver twos in my rankings here for week two. At the tight end position, Cole Komet, Kate Otten, both are guys outside the top 15. You should not be looking their way here for this matchup. Buccaneers minus two and a half. I will throw it to you. Where are we going in this one? I don't think I can lay points with Baker Mayfield. Give me the points with the Chicago Bears and a quarterback that I, if, I, if push comes to shove to make one play down the stretch, I think it's Justin Fields with his legs. Maybe it's a late backdoor cover. Maybe it's a they steal the game and win outright. We'll see, but give me fields to make a few more plays than Baker in this spot. I'm going to go against my team here. I will go with the Buccaneers. I do not think that I the picked Bears, against my team too. <laughs> I do not think that the Bears pass rush is here just yet. I do think that this team needs still some developing here with a lot of young players on the field. I think that I will go here with the Buccaneers at minus two and a half. Let's go over to the Chiefs at the Jaguars. A lot of players that we are going to be looking at. From a fantasy perspective here in this one, Chiefs minus three and a half, a 51 point total over under Patrick Mahomes. Groundbreaking analysis here. You are starting him. Trevor Lawrence, groundbreaking analysis. You are starting him here as well. Let's go to the running backs. Isaiah Pacheco. What did we do with Pacheco here after not necessarily a great performance in week one? The numbers weren't there, but the role kind of was. He didn't start. He wasn't featured. Yada, yada, yada. I was getting chirped 
by somebody on this podcast when uh, Edwards Alaire took the first carry for the Chiefs in that season opener. I'm not worried about it. If that was the floor of what we're going to see from Pacheco, then I'm in. I might be more in than I started. The four catches through three quarters. Like, he was being a little more involved in the pass game than we expected. Jerick McKinnon was a second thought. And consider me crazy, I'm not that worried about CEH eating into those carries on any sort of consistent basis. Again, you're tethered to an elite offense that we think could score 30 points this week. I think Pacheco gets into the end zone like he should have last week. And I think he could total upwards of 90, 100 yards on... 15 to 20 touches. Give me give me Pacheco as a top 20 guy. I will say it was encouraging to see Pacheco dominate the touches as much as he did, especially compared to Jarek McKinnon, right? That was the big concern was how much mm-hmm. of the receiving work was Jarek McKinnon going to steal here in this offense. So Isaiah Pacheco, to be able to see as much work as he did was encouraging. I'll throw a couple of players your way here. Jamal Williams uh, on Monday Night Football up against the Carolina Panthers or Isaiah Pacheco in week two. I've got Pacheco by three spots higher. Just think it's a higher scoring environment. And I do think New Orleans can move the ball through the air against Carolina, which hurts Williams. Not much of a pass catcher. All right, let's go to the other Monday night football game there. Najee Harris up against the Cleveland Browns or Isaiah Pacheco. I think Najee Harris is going to lose most of these coin tosses for me. So as high as I am on Pacheco, I'm more out on Harris than I am anything here. I'm more comfortable in Pacheco's quality and quantity of carries. Jalen Warren's going to be a thing in Pittsburgh sooner than later. Could happen this week with Deontay Johnson out and the need for a little bit more explosion on the field. So Harris outside my top 20 this week. All right, let's go over to the Jaguars side of things. Travis Etienne, RB7 on the week for me. I don't think that you have many questions starting him here in this one that should see plenty of points go up on the board. Tank Bigsby worth rostering, not necessarily someone that you should be looking at starting. Chiefs wide receivers... Um, are we benching all of them or are we at least looking Sky Moore's way here? We talked about him a little bit earlier. I think you have to bench them all, but to me, they have to remain rostered, which sucks. Like that's no fun to see that on your bench. And then one of them's inevitably going to go off in a game that doesn't matter for you. And they're, you're going to lose your matchup by five points and you're going to leave 17 on your bench from Sky Moore or Kadarius Tony or MVS. It's just the way you have to do this now until we see what this offense looks like with a healthy Travis Kelsey and an accurate Patrick Mahomes. And hopefully, you know, guys that actually catch the ball. I These guys are paid to catch the ball. Like they have one primary job. This is like me or you struggling to type. Like that would be a problem for us. It's a problem for them, but it's not something I think sustains. If I had a bad typing Monday, I'm coming back Tuesday raring and confident in my abilities. So hopefully these guys are something like that. I think they're all rosterable. I don't think any one of them is playable. All right, let's go to the Jaguars wide receivers here. Calvin Ridley, man, what a performance there in week Alpha. one. Looking, Trevor Lawrence looking his way early and often. Wide receiver seven on the week ring, which is dramatically different from where I had him ranked going into week one. Zay Jones here uh, put himself on the radar as well, but as a flex option, wide receiver 42 on the week for me. Christian Kirk is the big one. I don't want to overreact a ton. I had someone reach out on Twitter. I put out my early week two rankings over at pfnfantasy.com. I had Christian Kirk still ranked above Zay Jones. I don't want to panic overreact just based on one week and what I saw there and completely flip it. However, should I be? Is this something where Christian Kirk, I've still got him at wide receiver 34 on the week, lower than what I had him going into week one. Should I be benching Christian Kirk if I've got him? I think so. And it sounds like you agree. You have Kirk at 34. Where'd you say you had Zay? Uh, 42. So it's closer. I had Zay at like wide receiver 60 going into week one. 100%. 100%. I've got Zay at 34 and Kirk at 40. So they're both outside my top 30 like they are yours. And it sounds like we sound we have similar projections 
for the wide receiver two and three as a total. So I, I'm with you there. And you want to be the Jags offense isn't that much different than the Chiefs, and that you want pieces of this pie. Trevor Lawrence, like you said, looked great throwing to Calvin Ridley. I think he's going to be able to spread it around with time. We saw him support three viable pass catchers a season ago. So I do think the wide receiver two role in this offense will hold weekly value. And I don't think it's Zay Jones's 100% yet. We could see it, but like you said, it's one week. Maybe it was matchup dependent. Maybe there was something they saw on tape. Christian Kirk's still going to be the slot guy in this offense. So if you have Kevin Ridley running wild on the perimeter and you're putting Kirk out there, I think there's an avenue for him to produce. So keep him rostered, but I'm benching both secondary Jag receivers this week. All right, as we go to the tight end position here, it's Travis Kelsey. Obviously, if he plays, you're starting him. Uh, thank you, Kyle Yates, for that analysis. And then Evan Ingram here uh, is someone that, based on what he did here in week one and based on where you drafted him, you should have zero reservations starting him here as well. This is an interesting one. Chiefs minus three and a half. Where are we going here in this one, Soppy? Yeah, I hate betting against my guy Trevor Lawrence, but I the only thing I hate betting against Trevor Lawrence more than doing that is probably betting against Patrick Mahomes coming off a loss and Andy Reid with extended time to prepare for a defense that I don't think is that great. So I think the Chiefs get this one. I do think it's close. I think it's a fun one. I think the 50, whatever you said, 51 point over yeah. under, I think that's about right, if not low. So it's going to be a, it's going to be exciting. I think it's going to be what we wanted Chiefs Lions to be last week. This time, the Chiefs pull through. Man, uh, I want to go Jaguars here with everything in my being. However, I think that if Travis Kelsey is back, I think that the Chiefs are able to cover here. So I will go. And all signs right now are pointing that Travis Kelsey limited in practice on Thursday should be suiting up here on Sunday. I will go the Chiefs there as well. Let's move on to Colts Texans. Anthony Richardson, man, we talked about him on uh, the earlier podcast here this week. A, a great rookie debut here should only move up from here. Where does Anthony Richardson land in the rankings for you going into week two? We were begging to see this in the preseason, and we finally got it. It took one week in the regular season where you benched him and you benched a big day, but that might be the last time he's on your bench this year. He's a quarterback, he's quarterback 10 for me this week and for the rest of the season. I think what we saw from him is reasonably sustainable. We had low ADOT targets to Michael Pittman, which was a story last year for the Colts. Looks like it'll be the story this year too. So if you're getting a high percentage of your targets going to your top player, an elite athletic profile, and a team that we think is going to be trailing more often than not, maybe not this week, but more off, more weeks than not. To me, Richardson is a quarterback one moving forward because of the floor that he offers. Anthony Richardson, QB eight on the week for me here. And even last week, QB four finish. I do think that if he hadn't gotten banged up there as they were at the end of the game, they were about to cross into the end zone mm -hmm. as well. If Richardson was on the field for those snaps instead of Gardner Minshew coming in, I do think that they would have been going a QB power there at the goal line and getting Anthony Richardson in for a second rushing touchdown of the day. So I'm going to go Anthony Richardson here. I'm okay. going Richardson over Joe Burrow this week. Like I'm doing it full send because of the rushing wow. upside. I will go Anthony okay. Richardson over Joe Burrow here. They're back to back in my ranking, so it's not a big split, but Anthony Richardson over Joe Burrow for me. CJ Stroud, you're not looking his way. Let's go to the running backs here. Zach Moss may be going to suit up here in this one, but you are not looking their way. Uh, do not start Indianapolis Colts running back here in this one. Damian Pierce, we talked about him a little bit earlier in the uh, player props of the week here. A volume play in this one. Indianapolis Colts, not necessarily a fearsome defense. Do think that Pierce is someone that you can look at. He is a around RB18, RB20. For me, he lands at exactly 
Oh, where did he go? Damian Pierce at RB16, excuse me. So a little bit higher than I expected. Uh, someone that I do think has more volume than you would anticipate. Uh, let's go. I'm gonna just going to fly through this game because there really isn't a ton to break down here. Let's go Michael Pittman Jr. Based on what he did here in week one, where do you have Pittman going into week two? Yeah, I think there was enough volume and trust from Richardson with time. He wasn't targeted much in the first half. One target and 15 Anthony Richardson throws. So that was a little bit concerning. But then it's like he figured out what he was doing. And it's like, let me get my big target that's really good at football, the ball. They get him a screen pass. He takes it 39 yards to the house. And that might be the start of something big. Pittman, inside my top 30, I do think the pass volume could be limited a little bit. And we mentioned it earlier. This Texans defense is no joke. So I'm not putting him in the must-start territory, but he's a good flex option. Wide receiver 27 on the week for me here. As long as Michael Pittman Jr. is lining up on the right side of the field. Did you see that uh, that pepper chart, uh, oh my that God, chart yeah. for Anthony Richardson? One throw the entire time of the game over to the left side of the field there. Everything else bizarre. over to the right side. So as long as Pittman's lining up over there, uh, yes, I will start or I'll look Pittman's way here for fantasy. But wide receiver 27 on the week for me at the tight end position. Kylan Granson, Dalton Schultz, neither are guys that you are looking to get into your starting lineup. That one was easy. Let's go Texans minus one here as the spread. Where are we going? Yeah, I think I've got a rule here and it's don't lay points with CJ Stroud. I, I feel good about that as an overall moneymaker with time. Not that I'm going to get many chances to do it. So I'm taking this in the same vein that I took the Bears earlier. I trust the mobile athletic freak quarterback to get me a first down when I need it. I think this game's close and low scoring and ugly and all that good stuff. And probably not visually appealing so you know watch red zone and you might forget this game's going on right. but uh yeah i'll take the colts by a field goal yeah i was uh shocked to see the spread i will easily take the colts here as well let's go 49ers los angeles rams 49ers minus seven and a half in this one 45 point total over under brock purdy Derek was talking about him on the start sit podcast that you guys did which yeah, you guys did him. a phenomenal job stepping in for me as i was dealing with it sickness that my kids gave me uh brock purdy mm. here at what point do we have to get him into our starting lineups where does he land for you i think you're nearing that point but i'm still not sold on the ceiling for this guy i mean it's gonna be two touchdown passes and 250 yards every single week but does that elevate him ahead of an anthony richardson that could go bonkers with a i mean if richardson goes 50 rushing yards and a touchdown He's almost assuredly going to outscore a guy like Purdy. So that's why I've still got him quarterback 15 for me. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Like, that's a fine ranking for Mr. Irrelevant. I see all the matchup stuff. Mr. Irrelevant going against a number one pick. Like, I, I like the storylines. It's a good narrative. They're going to continue to win games. But they don't need Purdy to produce to win games. And to me, that's the split here. You look at a guy like Anthony Richardson. If they're going to have any success, it's because he's doing superhuman things. You could make that argument for Jared Goff. You could make that argument for Geno Smith. Like for these guys I have just ahead of Purdy, I think they're slightly more valuable to their teams in terms of win expectancy on the field. Purdy could have a terrible game and the 49ers could win this game by double digits. Purdy at QB 15 on the week for me as well. We deviated a little bit from being a lockstep there throughout those middle games and now we're back. All right, Matthew Stafford here, uh, a great performance in week one there on everyone's bench or waiver wires going up against the San Francisco 49ers defense. QB 23 on the week for me. You are not looking his way. Christian McCaffrey, you're starting him. Elijah Mitchell, you're not starting him. Cam Akers, you're not starting him. Kyron Williams, what are we doing here with this pickup? This, uh, If it wasn't Kenneth Gainwell as the number one running back pickup on the week on the waiver wire, it was Kyron Williams. Are you starting him here after a great week one performance? I'm not, and I see this too often with fantasy managers that pick up a guy and immediately want to throw him into the lineup. 
We just talked about it with the Ravens. Like, you don't need to do that. Having Kyron Williams is a good option long-term. It's a smart percentage play, the same way Gus Edwards is. I, I would argue Gus Edwards is a better option because the starter was J.K. Dobbins, and he's out for the year. We don't exactly know how this Rams offense is going to function. Cam Akers is still a thing. Like, as bad as he was, still ended up with 22 carries. I get that a lot of them were late, and the touchdown was garbage. But Kyron's he's running back 36 for me. Like, I don't think you can flex him. I'm not going out of my way to invest in this Rams offense in any week, let alone this week. So to me, you're benching him, but you're holding on to him. You want that spot. You spent waiver priority on him for a reason. It's just not this week. Where did you say you had Kyron Williams? Running back 36 for me. Running back 36 for me. We're back, baby. All right, let's go to the wide receivers here. Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk is the wide receivers for the San Francisco 49ers. Are you starting both of them? Zero questions asked. I am. We go over this every week, and it's gonna be. I think it's gonna copy paste 49er receiver discussion. One of them is gonna be productive. One probably won't be, and I can't tell you which one's gonna be. If I had a guess, I'll just go rubber band effect. We go Ayuk one week, so maybe he's got the odd weeks, and Debo go evens, and we can build some goofy narrative that way. I'll get the graphics team on it and see what we can do. But I I don't (laughs) see how you can bench either. I also don't know how you can realistically start either with extreme confidence but if you're banking on purdy to be as reliable as we think he is yes he's going to support these two receivers to total 150 yards and a touchdown or two i just don't know where it's going I did say throughout the offseason and throughout yeah, the draft season yeah. that I would much prefer Brandon Ayuk over Debo Samuel. After one week, baby, I'm looking in a pretty good spot. I've got Brandon Ayuk at wide receiver 14, Debo Samuel at wide receiver 18 going into this matchup here. Uh, as we look at the Los Angeles Rams wide receivers, this would have been a situation where we were excited to start Puka Nakua. However, popped up on the injury report late yesterday with an oblique injury. So as we look at Puka Nakua, if he does play here this week, are you starting him as a top 36 play or do we need to wait? Just like Kyron Williams, we picked him up off of the waiver wire. We just need to wait one more week before we start this guy with confidence. Exactly. The latter on that one. And we had this question on the Discord. And by the way, you guys should check out our Discord. Jason Katz does a great job over there a lot. Kyle's got AMAs going all the time. Derek's over there. I'm over there on occasion. Check out the Discord. You get good questions. And a question we had this morning was, Puka, if he plays, or Gabe Davis. And I want Gabe Davis in that spot. The offensive upside is just too much to overlook the advantage there. I mean, you've got Gabe Davis in an offense that we think is going to bounce back in an advantageous spot in a great matchup. Or you could go Puka, who looked great. Don't get me wrong. Like, people are learning the name and how awesome it sounds. But you're still talking a Rams offense that we... I'm not comfortable betting on any kind of consistent basis nor am i betting against the 49ers if i can all help it so when those two things align you got a bunch of bench guys on the rams for me uh if pukunakua cannot play are you starting tutu atwell who also went over 100 yards last week no he's 5'9 a buck 65 guys like that just don't have success sustained in the nfl there's a reason i'm behind a mic and not on a football field like and it's (laughs) it's not for a lack of like football iq is because physically i have no chance tutu atwell is a lot closer to me than he is most of these other receivers yeah 119 yards was great last week it's to me a flash in the pan something you can't count on on any sort of consistent basis i would agree there as well george kittle someone that you are starting based on where you drafted him tyler higby is he someone that you are starting here in week two after not necessarily living up to expectations in week one yeah i worry that you didn't see the volume that we thought you would we thought he was going to get all of the cooper cup looks and he just didn't 
the receivers obviously vacuum in a ton of looks. I do think that corrects itself to a degree. And if I had to pick a guy to lead this team in targets, it would be Higby. But he's still outside my top 12 this week. I, I'm not going to the Rams offense that I don't know if they get past 15 points as a team. Yeah, I do think that he gets a bump up two spots, three spots up the rankings if Pukunakua does not play in this one. However, not sure. necessarily enough to crack the top 12. I do think that you have other better options. Let's make a pick here in this one. Like I said, it is 49ers minus seven and a half up against the Los Angeles Rams. Where are you going? The hook scares me a little bit here in that I, the 49ers don't need to cover the spread to win the game and be happy with themselves. But there's also a world in which they win 30 to seven like they did last week and made us all look like idiots for taking the Steelers. Hey, so hey, I'm, hey, not, hey, hey, I'm not making that, that mistake again. That was one again. of my six picks that I got correct. Okay, okay, I went 49ers minus two. So don't take that away from me. I'm sorry. I won't take that from you. We had the betting podcast and all three of us are like, oh yeah, Steelers, take it. It's a good spot. Like talent deficiency, but who cares? I want the points. Yeah, we were idiots. You were the smart one there. I'm not making that mistake again. Give me the 49ers. Seven and a half points. Yeah, it is what it is. If the 49ers might win this game by 30, and if not, they could still win by 10 and get me there. I'm going to copy and paste your analysis there. This is a talent the talent level between these two rosters the 49ers looked absolutely unstoppable last week i'm going 49ers here minus seven and a half as well let's go giants cardinals i think this is one that we are going to be able to fly through giants minus four 40 point over under here not a ton of points going up on the board i will just say this for the giants who are you looking to start saquon barkley you're starting outside of that darren waller daniel jones that's about it yeah, I mean, it'll be Waller if we get through this hamstring injury and everything. Okay, that's more of an indictment on the tight end position as a whole. Led the team in catches and targets last week. I think you're going to see that on a consistent basis. So I'd feel good about him as a top 10 tight end, assuming he clears everything he needs to for the weekend. Daniel Jones, quarterback 12 for me. Like, he's he's okay. I don't know if they need much from him in this spot. This is a Saquon-heavy spot. If you can get him in DFS, go that direction but that's all you have. You can't touch these receivers. All right. And then uh, same question for the Arizona Cardinals. Who are you starting in this one? Freaking James Conner. And it's, <laughs> it's so gross, man. Like nobody wants to play James Conner, but we're all just going to admit that he's going to be 10 fantasy points and be in that flex. I should have played him flex range every single week. And it's tempting to play a Gabe Davis or somebody like that over him that clearly has the edge in ceiling but James Conner, if we, if I asked you to give me a James Conner stat line for 17 games and just roll it over week over week over week, 19 touches for 70 yards with no touchdowns is probably about what you land on. And that's what he gave you last yep. week. That's what he'll give you this week. That's what he's going to give you sometime in November. It just is what it is. It's not fun. It's not exciting. But it is, it's valuable to a degree, and you're probably starting him. Uh, James Conner or Brees Hall in week two? Give me Brees. I'm going to get sucked in for the upside on a lot of these questions. Like it's Brees Hall. We saw the 83 yard carry and we're not even sure he can hundred percent run. Like he just holds more upside in an offense that now is going to have to rely on him much more. Connor, neither one of these offenses is getting to 20 points, but Hall's the guy and more explosive. So give me him. I've got Brees Hall running back 17 this week. Ooh, uh, James Connor or AJ Dillon. If Aaron Jones cannot play. If he can't play, this is Dylan for me. If he can play, I think it's reasonably close because it, you're going against Atlanta. Those are just run-heavy scripts. Uh, the problem there is I can't take 
12 to 15 touches from A.J. Dillon over 15 to 20 from James Conner. So with Jones active, it's Conner. With Jones inactive, it's Dillon for me. All right, let's make a pick here. Giants minus four as a spread. Um, this is be this will be the only time this year that you hear me pick the Arizona Cardinals. I cannot take the team that just got shut out 40 to nothing to cover a four-point spread. I will go the Arizona Cardinals here. And you're like the public, too. This game was five and a half a couple of days ago. And so that means people are putting their hard-earned dollars, like money that you worked hours out of your life, on Joshua Dobbs and the Cardinals. I can't do that. I'm putting real money on the Giants here, minus four. Maybe we end up with a side bet or something between me and you. But give me the Giants to cover this number. It might not be pretty, but I think they get it done. All right, let's go Jets. Cowboys here. Cowboys minus eight and a half, just a 38 and a half point over under. For this one, Zach Wilson, do not let him anywhere near your starting lineups this week. Dak Prescott, though, fantasy managers drafted him as a top 12 option off the board. Is he someone that you are looking to start this week? I'm not. No, no, I'm not. You, I was out on Dak coming into the season, and I really just don't think the volume is going to be there in a big way. I mean, he can get C.D. Lamb the ball. Brandon Cooks, we know, is banged up. I'm not sure Michael Gallup's that great. Jake Ferguson, volume targets in week one. I don't know if that's here to stay or not. He got scripted out of week one. I get it because of the big score. Like they were up 16 points before you even really touched the ball. So I get that. I'm not going to hold that against him, but it's more of the same. I don't think there's enough volume. This is Tony Pollard season in Dallas, and I think it's more of the same this week. Dak Prescott at QB 16 on the week for me. So I would be looking to start Brock Purdy, Geno Smith, Daniel Jones, all above Dak Prescott if any of those guys are available on your waiver wire. Dak is now out of that territory, and he never really was for either of us, but out of that territory of, you know, a starter into now a streamer option and just not someone that I'm looking to stream up against the New York Jets defense here. As we go to the running backs for the New York Jets, we talked about Brees Hall there, RB17 on the week for you. He's at RB25 on the week for me, so a little bit lower there. I'm going to be a little bit more patient with Brees Hall here. Uh, Dalvin Cook there, just based on what we saw, he did see more work than Brees Hall in week one. Is he someone that you were looking to start, or is he outside of the top 30 running backs? No, he's. I can't say he's outside the top thirty because he is running back thirty for me. So he's he's in that flex conversation. I have I have him between Dylan and Gus Edwards right now. To me, he's still the secondary guy in an offense that we don't trust. Like it's it's terrible to say because we we're all high on the Jets coming into the season, but this Jets offense is going to struggle under Zach Wilson. I don't care that they won Monday night, and this freaking Cowboys defense was the real deal. The only way you can slow them is potentially to get that run game established. So I get the thought process. If you think both Jet running backs can get there, I'm not banking on it. I don't think the Jets moved the ball enough to have two viable running backs this week. So I'm going Brees over Delvin and having Cook outside of my top th- or outside of my top 25. I've got Dalvin Cook at RB33 on the week, Brees Hall at RB25. I just am a little bit more skeptical on this offense with Zach Wilson up against the Dallas Cowboys defense. That's something that definitely, I, if you have other options, I'd be looking to go with them over mm-hmm. uh, Brees Hall or Dalvin Cook. Tony Pollard, Indy, your starting lineup, man. Absolutely fantastic option there in week one. Garrett Wilson. What in the world do we do with Garrett Wilson? We talked about him earlier. You said you were looking to avoid him with everything that you can. Uh, Garrett Wilson, for me, at wide receiver 20. I just cannot fade a guy with this level of talent that far based on going from Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers to Zach Wilson. But... Man, there is a strong possibility that Garrett Wilson finishes outside the top 36 wide receivers this week. I will acknowledge that. Yeah. No, okay. Then I'll give you a name game. You usually give me those guys. So you go in Mike Williams or Garrett Wilson. I will go. 
I will go with Garrett Wilson still, just based on rankings, but that is one where, come back to me on Sunday morning, that might be switched. How about either 49er receiver or Garrett Wilson? That one's not close. I will go with the 49ers wide receivers options there. Uh, over Garrett Both. Wilson there, I'm going to okay. buy into the matchup there with the Rams there as well. Uh, let's go here to the Dallas Cowboys wide receivers, C.D. Lamb, Brandon Cooks, Michael Gallup, C.D. Lamb, obviously into your starting lineup there. Wasn't needed a ton uh, last week, but I think that that will change here in this one. C.D. Lamb locked and loaded. Brandon Cooks, Michael Gallup, are they on the flex radar for you? Nope. Move on. I mean, you said it with Dak. We're not interested in him. Too much from a volume perspective. I don't think he can sustain two pass catchers on any kind of regular regular basis here. And we saw Jake Ferguson lead the team in targets. If that's anywhere near sustainable, there's not a wide receiver in two in Dallas that's going to be worth your while. All right. I will say with Brandon Cooks dealing with, uh, he missed practice Wednesday and Thursday. I believe it is a sprained MCL off the top of my head. So he might not be mm-hmm. ready to go here yep. for this week. If he is not able to go, Michael Gallup would move into probably wide receiver 40 off the bar, like wide receiver 40 in my ranking. So a flex option that does carry some upside, but you're not necessarily holding your breath. Jake Ferguson, good to see him involved as much as he was in that early part of the game, but I don't think that you are necessarily looking his way here in this one either. Let's go, let's make a pick here for this one. Cowboys minus eight and a half. Where are you going? I feel dirty backing Zach Wilson here, but I'm going to do that. Eight and a half points is a lot to get in a game that we're not sure is going to go over 40 points. So this is more of a process play than an actual, I'm trusting Zach Wilson play. So give me the points and I'm going to hold my nose. I will go the Cowboys there. I will do whatever it takes to get away from Zach Wilson. Uh, Let's go Washington Commanders at Denver Broncos here in this one. Broncos minus three and a half as we look at the quarterbacks here. Sam Howell, Russell Wilson, both outside the top 15 quarterbacks on the week there in these matchups up against Two pretty solid defenses here. As we go to the running backs, you were looking at Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson in week one up against the Arizona Cardinals. Are they outside of your top 24 running backs this week up against the Denver Broncos? Yeah, this is a different story for me. It was all matchup based and role based last week, and they're both outside my top 30 this week. It's it's not that I don't like them as players. I don't love this spot for them. Low scoring game. Not sure either one scores. And then Antonio Gibson was just really underwhelming. I mean, they don't want to give him the ball. They hand it to him in the red zone, and he fumbles it. So, And then Brian Robinson catches a touchdown pass. Like, everything we thought was right with the commander's backfield was just upside down, flipped all over the place in week one. Robinson over Gibson the rest of the way for me, but neither one of them in my top 30 for week two. All right, as we look at the running backs here for Denver, we had Javante Williams. Good to see him back on the field there in week one. Is he someone that did enough in week one to get into your starting lineup here for week two? He's running back 28 for me. I, this is still going to be a committee situation. They brought in P. Ryan for a reason, and I think they're going to continue to make this a 55-45, 60-40 kind of split, even as Williams gains health as he recovers from this ACL. I don't think they're going to move the ball a ton this week or any week for that matter. So he's outside my top 25, but inside my top 30. So if you want to flex him, I get it. All right, let's go to the Washington Commanders wide receivers here. Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel. Any of those guys top 30 plays for you on the week? Yeah, to me, it's Dotson, and it's Dotson over McLaurin this week for me. We talked about it on the DFS pod pod with Derek Tate. And you know what Jahan Dotson is this week? He's in the Jacoby Myers role, and that's the wide receiver two going against the Broncos. And yes, I'm going to make every excuse I can to mention Jacoby Myers in a week he might not even play. 
but you've got Patrick Sertan in theory on McLaurin. So that's that's a problem. Sertan's great. I think they're going to be able to move the ball a little bit through the air, but not through McLaurin. Dotson, seven targets in week one. We know the upside of these targets in a Gabe Davies in. Davies in. I don't know how to say that, but you get where I'm going. <laughs> the upside is there on a per target basis. I think he sees enough targets in this spot to pay off a top 30 price tag. Nice flex option in DFS flyer for me. Jahan Dotson, wide receiver 28 on the week for me. Terry McLaurin, wide receiver 30. Curtis Samuel outside of the top 40 wide receivers for me. Let's go over to the Denver Broncos wide receivers. We have yet to get clarity on Jerry Judy's status here for week two. Assuming that Jerry Judy does play, I would like to wait one week before I put him into my starting lineup. Do not know what to expect here out of Judy for this one. Cortland Sutton, let's just say if Judy does not return here for week two, is Cortland Sutton back in your starting lineups? No matter what, the wide receiver one in this offense isn't going to be in my top 30 this week. So take that for what it what it's worth. If Judy plays, he's outside my top 30. If Sutton or if he misses, Sutton moves up from outside my top 40 to wide receiver 34 or something. But he's not going to be in my player pool this week. I'd rather both commander receivers over either Bronco. All right, and then as we look at the tight ends, it's Logan Thomas. It is, uh, who's even the, Adam Troutman. I was like, who's the backup tight end in Denver? Greg Dulcich uh, landing on. Uh, he's going to miss some time there with a hamstring injury, so neither one are ones that you should be looking at here. Let's make a pick. Broncos minus three and a half. I will throw it to you first. I'll lay the points here with the home team. The Broncos, mile high. Obviously, you get a bump there. If they can take out McLaurin, Dotson could score once or twice and have a few big plays, but I don't think there's enough explosion in this commander's offense to really score uh, not that i think denver's going to put up a ton of points but i uh, this is 24 to 16 kind of thing i will say it's probably even closer than that i would go like 24 to 21 or 20 to 17 i think okay. that broncos win this game but by a field goal so i will go with the commanders there plus three and a half let's move on here to the dolphins at the patriots this one's probably going to be pretty easy to a tongue of iloa 466 passing yards in week one going to say that he is on your in your starting lineup here for week two yes it is a tougher matchup uh up against the new england patriots than it was the los angeles chargers so we can't expect 466 passing yards but based on what we saw you got to get him into your starting lineup mac jones not someone that you are looking at here it's a fine super flex option but not in one qb formats let's go to the running back position here raheem mostert mostert missing practice on wednesday sounds like he was back out there on thursday though is mostert in your starting lineups here up against the new england patriots defense He's running back 21 for me. The injury doesn't sound like a big deal, so I'm going to take them at their word right now. The Patriots defense impressed in week one, and that could be more of the same in week two. But at the end of the day, he should lead this backfield in touches. Like, we think A-Chain's getting close. Wilson obviously still on IR. But this isn't an offense that wants to move the ball the way Mostert moves the ball. Like, it just... It is what it is there. They're going to throw the ball more often than not. So, to me, that caps his upside as a top 15 guy. And he's running back 21 for me. He's a fine RB2 because we trust this offense to score. But I don't think the volume's going to be that of a top 20 kind of guy that can put him much higher than where I have him in the ranks. All right. The Miami Dolphins defense didn't exactly look like a stellar unit there in week one up against the Chargers. Ramondre Stevenson, is he someone that you are confidently starting here in this matchup? Starting, yes. I'm not overly confident in him or anything related to this offense that I really think overachieved in week one. Mac Jones threw the ball 50 plus times and it was for over 300 yards great that's not gonna happen very often I get that it came against the Eagles and people want to read into that 
I'm not. You can't fool me. This is Charlie Brown trying to kick a football. And I think <laughs> he made contact this one time. They're pulling it away. He's missing the football more often than not. I'm fading the Patriots where I can. You can only go so far. They Stevenson's a top 15 guy for me because that's their one path to staying in this game. If they fall behind, we know he's a good pass catcher. There's too much volume there to bench him. But if he has a big day, I'm selling him. I'll tell you that. Yeah, Ramondre Stevenson, RB13 on the week for me. And just like we talked about with Rashad White, if he does find the end zone, if he has a good day, Mm -hmm. sell, sell, sell. The wide receivers here, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle. Obviously, you are starting both of them due to the upside that they possess. Juju Smith-Schuster, Kendrick Bourne, wide receivers for the New England Patriots. No, not in this one. Not in this one. Tight ends, Hunter Henry here. Is he someone that did crack the top 12 for you? Or is he someone that you would like to wait one more week before you admit that uh, he's a fine starting option? Yeah, I'm not bending the knee to you quite yet just because he's on this Patriots offense. Like, it's it scares the bejeebies out of me. There you go. Bejeebies and Jamoke uh, on there your bingo go. card. I hope you, hope you had those. But he's he's tight end 13 for me. So he's a 60-year-old person. I, I, I know. People say I look 10, sound like I'm 70. <laughs> like, I'm somewhere in the middle of this uh, perceived uh, situation for me. So, you know, I'll figure it out one day. But... Hunter Henry tight on 13 for me. He's not a bad play if you're streaming the position or we get late news that a Kelsey or Andrew sits. Like Hunter Henry's fine. I just don't think the upside in this offense is going to be there. They want to run the ball. They want to take the air out of the ball specifically in this matchup with the Dolphins. I know you're higher on him than me and maybe I'll admit that you're right next week, but not happening this week. I like how you worked in a uh, Patriots wanting to take the air out of the ball. Reference. You like that? I like that, that one. Yeah. Uh, let's go with uh, Hunter Henry at tight end 12 on the week for me. So okay. someone that you can start here, but not necessarily a top 10 option for me. Uh, Dolphins minus three. Where are you going in this one? The only reason I'm worried about this game is because the line doesn't, it seems too easy. And that that's always a problem. Vegas knows way more than we do, no matter what we want to lay on. But uh, I, I'll, I'll, Step in the trap. Dolphins lay the points and win this game going away. Yeah, based on what we saw last week, um, you can't minus three. It's another one of those ones. And we'll talk about the next one that I was like, what am I missing here with this line? Yep. Dolphins minus three. I feel like, again, it is a trap, but yes, I will step into it as well. Dolphins minus three there for me as well. Let's go Saints Panthers. Saints minus three in this one. Again, feel like this is should be Saints minus six or something like that. Yeah. This does not make sense going up against Bryce Young and the Carolina Panthers uh, team here. But Derek Carr, did he show you enough in week one to work his way into starting lineups here in week two? Or is he someone that you should just leave on your waiver wire for the time being? I think you're leaving on the waiver wire for the time being, but I wouldn't be surprised if come by weeks, Derek Carr is... I don't want to say he's going to have like a Geno Smith kind of season because he doesn't have that kind of rushing profile. But I do think this offense is catered around him. When Alvin Kamara comes back, that gives him another weapon. We're only, you know, two weeks away from that. So I like what I saw. And I think Rashid Shahid's the real deal. Michael Thomas looked fine in his return. Chris Olave is obviously a stud. So Derek Carr outside my top 15 this week. But moving forward, I'm, I'm going to be interested. Derek Carr, QB 19 on the week for me. Jamal Williams, you talked about him as a start on the Start Sit podcast here. Is he a top 24 play for you? I think he's a good play. The touchdown equity alone builds him in there. And it, listen, we both are saying the same thing, that we think the Saints are going to be just fine and roll in this game. And if that's the case, Jamal Williams is scoring a touchdown. And that's why I've got him at running back 18. Like he, him scoring and then getting somewhere in the range of 16 touches is just valuable. I've got him over a guy like Rashad White, who we think is going to have a lot of volume, but not as much scoring equity. So yeah, Jamal Williams locked into lineups across the board. Does that change for you if Kendra Miller is active here for this week? Does Jamal Williams move down the rankings if that does happen? 
It doesn't just because the next guy I have behind him is Rashad White. So I, I can't get to that point. The scoring equity is just too high, too much of an advantage. Kendry Miller, a nice player, but a rookie coming off an injury in his debut. I don't think you're looking at more than five to seven touches, so I'm not worried about that. All right, Miles Sanders here. We've talked about him countless times on this podcast as a top 20 RB20, RB21 uh, in the rankings there just based on his volume, someone that you can start there, but not necessarily someone that you have to start. The wide receivers, we're looking at Chris Olave. You get him into your starting lineups. Michael Thomas and Rashid Shahid are those guys' flex options for you in week two. They're flexing deeper, deeper formats. I mean, Michael Thomas, I've got a wide receiver 35s. The volume, I guess, could be there. Rashid Shahid... The big play threat, that's where I'm looking once we get into bye weeks and things like that. That's exactly the type of player profile that I want filling in for my bye weeks, for my injuries, things like that. We're just not there yet. We're week two. There aren't bye weeks. There aren't injuries to the extent that we'll see in October, November, December. So I'm going to pass on starting both of those at the moment. If you're in a pinch, I think you could do worse. But yeah, no, I don't think there's enough tangible volume for either to bust into my top 30. All right, and none of the Panthers wide receivers should be in your starting lineup here for this one. Jawan Johnson as a top 15 play, someone that you can look at. Hayden Hurst, someone that you can look at outside of the top 15 as well for me. Let's make a pick here in this one. Like I said, Saints minus three feels like a trap. I'm going to step into it. I'm going to go Saints minus three here for this one. Where are you going? I'm with you. I, I can't justify picking the Panthers in this spot. It's one thing to feel like it's a false line, but I'm just fading these rookie quarterbacks until they give me a reason not to. All right, let's move on to the final game here of the week. Cleveland Browns at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Browns minus two and a half, just a 39 point over under. Deshaun Watson, Kenny Pickett, are you starting either of these quarterbacks here in week two? I think Watson's got a heck of a lot more upside than Pickett does without Deontay Johnson in the mix there. But Deshaun outside my top 12 as well. And I think it is important to mention the fantasy managers here that we do have two games on Monday night. So understand that you're setting your lineups. You're going to have more exposure on Monday night that if you're playing somebody that you think is questionable or there something health-wise pops up, you have another game to go to. It gives you a few more options, a few more outs. In a perfect world, you're not counting on either quarterback in this game. All right, Nick Chubb, obviously you are getting him into your starting lineup. Let's go to Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. Najee Harris, you mentioned his ranking earlier. Is he someone that you are looking to start this week or are you just absolutely terrified? This Browns defense looked fantastic in week one. Are you terrified of him? Yeah, no, I, I'm terrified. I, the, he's running back 22 for me, and that's with me trying to push him down and push him down and push him down because I don't trust his per-carry acumen here. Like, I just don't think he's going to be productive because he never is. He's never shown us the ability to bust big plays, and if he can't break a big play, that means you need four, five, six yards of carry on a consistent basis, and he just can't do that. This line can't protect him, and without Deontay Johnson to threaten defenses, I worry that he could see more stacked boxes. I like Pickens because Deontay Johnson's out, and that could open up some things down the field, but as the defense comes closer to the line of scrimmage, sledding's just going to get harder for Najee, and that's assuming he has the lead role over Warren. Right. All right. Let's go to the wide receivers here. Amari Cooper for the Cleveland Browns at wide receiver 17 for me. Elijah Moore at wide receiver 36. Both are options that you can get into your starting lineup here. Cooper obviously getting that edge still over more. As we look at the Pittsburgh Steelers wide receivers, we've talked about already in this podcast. George Pickens, he's at wide receiver 29 for me. Allen Robinson, someone that you can look at as a flex option in full PPR formats, should be more involved here with Deontay Johnson out of this one, most likely. Uh, this is something where we heard Deontay Johnson going to be out for several weeks, and then just yesterday, Deontay Johnson saying, I'm day-to-day. -day. So 
we don't know yet how this is going to play out. Again, you have a little bit more time to get some information on this one than we do here as we are recording this podcast. The tight ends, David Njoku and Pat Fryermuth, are they both top 10 uh, options for you this week? Njoku, yes. Fryermuth, no. Fryermuth scored in week one. Like, I get it, but that was the only catch he had. Three yards and a touchdown isn't doing it for me. Could he pick up some work with Deontay theoretically out? And I'm, I'm going to trust reporting over a player in that injury analysis there. So I'll still right. assume... Johnson is sitting, but still, I don't think there's enough per target upside for Fryermuth. Njoku, it was an ugly week one from Watson, and Njoku suffered. I mean, only two catches and three targets. I get it. I think better days are ahead in shorter order for Watson than I do Pickett. So I'll bet on that by way of tight end. Njoku, a top 10 guy for me this week. Fryermuth also coming into this one battling a little bit of an injury that he did suffer in uh, last week's matchup as well. He was able to come back and and reel in that touchdown, but we'll see how this plays out here as we move throughout the weekend as we get closer to Monday Night Football. Pat Fryermuth currently tight end 10 on the week. David Njoku currently tight end 9. All right. What a beast of a podcast, but we made it uh, as we are an hour and 30 minutes into this podcast here. We made it running through every single player in every single game here for this weekend. Kyle, any other words here of wisdom for the people before we get out of here? I'm going to take the Browns to cover in that last Monday nighter for. uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, we should probably. Yeah, we should probably get that. Yep. No. No, see, if you don't pick it, then I just have a chance to gain. There's nothing to lose. So that's just and that was nice. The week two podcast. We'll see you guys later. <laughs> uh, if you don't pick it, I see what you did there. I see what you did there. I will go. Uh, oh, I'll yeah. Go, All the word. No, Deontay Johnson. I will go the Browns here as well for this one. All right. Make sure pfnfantasy.com. We are going to be cranking out content here on Sunday morning as we move throughout and getting you guys ready to get your starting lineup set for week two. So make sure go over to pfnfantasy.com and then also into the PFN Fantasy Discord. This is where you can find uh, all of us hanging out on Sunday morning, getting ready to answer your start sick questions. pfnfantasy.com and the link to join the PFN Fantasy Discord is here in your podcast show notes or YouTube description. All right, that'll do it for Kyle Sapi. I'm Kyle Yates, and we'll see you next time.